In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the everyone and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. With me all the way across the pond is my co-host, the ghost finder general himself, the most haunted Richard Felix. Good evening, how are you? Good, where are you my friend? I am, guess where, I'm back in Derby Jail. They decided, they decided, yeah, they decided that they wouldn't let me out. Um, I've had, oh gosh, have I got a busy week, Ron? Um, uh, I'm doing all the ghost walks this week. I've, I've done, oh God, I don't know how many. Um, my son. I lost you. He's in, where is he? He's in Yosemite Park at the moment, and he's left. Richard, you're uh, breaking up. Richard? Can you? Can't hear you, Richard. Yeah, okay. Oh, technology is so wonderful. You know, I mean, they always say the Skype's like so great, but, oh, God, it's a pain in the ass. Anyways, welcome to Ghost Chronicles, and hopefully Richard will be back shortly. He is broadcasting live from Derby Jail, as they say in England, or as we say in the UK, Derby Jail, uh, whichever is proper i don't know who knows but anyway a lot of weird stuff going on it's paranormal i'm in the condemned cell of derby jail oh you are back yeah can you hear me okay now yeah we can you were just breaking up there it's like really That's weird very strange we've got to put it down to paranormal yeah ron i've had i've got a very busy week uh edward son edward is is over there with you he's in uh, yosemite park at the moment he's doing oh, really? three weeks around america uh, and he's left me he's left me to do the lot Three school trips during the day, ghost tours. Today, school ghost walks uh, from Los Angeles uh, in Derby Jail uh, this afternoon. And tonight I've done another group ghost walk, which finished at half past seven. I've got three tomorrow, three the next day, three the next day, a sleepover in York on Saturday. Uh, And I'm an old man. I can't cope with it. Yeah, it's just like old times, I know, you know. Yeah, absolutely right. Just like being back. I'll tell you what, I'll be honest with you, I'm really enjoying myself. Because I don't do many ghost walks now, but uh, I've just had a group of of teenagers. And I tell you, mate, we have scared them to death. 
I have <laughs> never, I have never heard screams like it in in all the seventeen years that I've been doing ghost walks. It's been amazing. It's been fabulous. Really, really good. Great goop. So, uh, I'm just the women, though, right? I mean, just the girls, not the boys, right? Well, Richard, and just just the girls. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, you, you tend to cut out. I don't know if it's when you speak louder or what, but you, you tend to cut out on us. But, uh, yeah, it, it, the, the boys as well or just the girls? Uh, the boys scream louder than the girls. Do they really? Oh, uh, yeah. I'll tell you something, because, I mean, obviously, we see when we do, when we do these ghost walks, we, we scare them. We have scarers. Um, we have guys dressed up as, as executioners. We have, we have a guy down in the, the tunnels underneath Derby Guildhall um, that's the rat man, uh, and um, he, he makes out he's a dummy. <laughs> and then when they come, they come past and we, we talk about him, and then all of a sudden he goes for them. I've had him punched three times by, by, by guys. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the guys, and they're so embarrassed after they've done it because basically they're, they're frightened to death. I'll tell you, sometimes the guys are more frightened than the girls. Really? That, you know, it's weird because uh, now we did uh, a walking ghost tour last Saturday with uh, Jeremy Dontremont of the Friends of uh, Portsmouth Lighthouse and myself yeah. and uh, Ron Jr. and a couple of volunteers. But we did it. We didn't do any uh, scaring bedroom. Uh, we just, you know, did the thing. We told the tales. We told the evidence we collected and stuff. And uh, I was surprised there were a lot of ghost hunters involved in this as well. Right. I mean, so, I, I must be be honest with you. We, you see, what I, what we, we you see the ghost walk that we do. It, yeah. it, it's th three hours. Two haunted pubs on the way round, which we oh, go into, and, and and obviously we we go into the cellars, the cells, um, up into the attic, wherever wherever the ghostly goings on are, and then at the end of that, they then get um, a candlelit supper. So so we're actually we, what we're providing is a night out, um, right? And and basically they they want to they want to be scared. They 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 you know I mean a, a lot of the people that come on it. I mean this in the nicest way. They're, they're not necessarily ghost hunters. They're, they're um, members of the public. They're tourists. People come from literally all over the world now um, to do the Derby Ghost Walk. So we have to give them a package, if you like, that, that is ghost stories, history of, 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 of the city and the buildings. And, and they expect to, to, be, to be frightened. Um, and my God, do we frighten them. I tell you, we, you know what's interesting, though, Richard, is that, um, you know, they really want, they do it because they want to be frightened, but how could you tell if something paranormal was going on if, if you have, like, you know, actors and stuff? I mean, yeah, that's very true, actually. That's extremely, but basically, the two things, number one, we only have, well, on the, on the city, on the Derby city centre goes, we have one scare. Um, in the in the tunnels un, under the Guildhall, uh, yeah. and it's this is a real person. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, um, and then once that's over, then it's back to back to the reality, back to the ghost hunting, if you like the, the stories. Right. But I, I have to say, genuinely, see what people are coming for. In my opinion, anyway, is is a night out 
some scary, some ghost stories. You know, I'm not into the scary, ghost stories, history right. of. They're, they're actually, although people say to us, you know, at the beginning of the war, will we see a ghost? And I say to them, it's very unlikely. Because, for, in my opinion, ghosts don't appear to audiences, um, don't jump through hoops when we ask them to. And really, here's my son and, and, and my guides, are storytellers. Um, telling the story of the city of Derby, um, of its ghosts uh, and, and its history, um, which I believe to be different to, to what we do on, on certainly on Saturdays and, and Fridays and Saturdays when we do the ghost hunt, which, which is, you know, like, like um, uh, from nine o'clock till four o'clock in the morning in Derby jail, uh, where we do genuine paranormal investigation. We wouldn't mm-hmm. dream of, 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 of having a scare or anything like that. Um, in, in that, on, in that, you see, when we, when, I mean, when we do the ghost walk, I mean, tonight, for instance, um, before I started the ghost walk, I have to, I get myself dressed up as, as a jailer, black out my teeth, a pair of little glasses. <laughs> black out your nose. teeth, that's funny. <laughs> yep. A long, old, horrible, old, skanky wig, a uh, tricorn hat, um, cravat around my neck, my old coat, my, jet, my, my keys, and my lantern. And as they arrive at the jail, down this corridor, we have a sliding, little sliding, um, what's the word I'm looking for, like a little window that slides open. And we have a door knocker on, 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 the, on the jail um, entrance. And obviously it says, you know, please knock. You know. And of course, they knock on the door. And then I give it a couple of seconds and wait, and then I slide the slider open and give it them like you wouldn't believe. And, and ah, Jesus, they, you want to see him jump. Because <laughs> I'm dressed as, dressed as the old jailer, you see, from, right. from 1756. Who actually um, haunts the place, right? Yeah, absolutely. One of the guys that, you know, got Blythe Simpson, who is the longest-serving jailer here at Derby Jail, who does genuinely haunt, haunt the building. But funnily enough, I don't, I don't take on his persona. I actually pretend to be another guy called William Eaton, who was also uh, the jailer here. Um, and, and I actually start the walk dressed as, as William Eaton, the jailer, or the ghost of, of, of William Eaton, the jailer. And I start by explaining to them who I am, you know, that I'm the ghost of, and tell them a little bit of the history of the walk uh, and the jail. And then about two minutes in or something like that, then I start and I just pull the hat off, take the wig off, glasses off, and I say, guys, if you think I'm staying like this for the rest of the night, then you've got another thing coming. It's too hot under here. Uh, by the way, my name's Richard Felix, and, and, and off we go. And they, they absolutely love it. They really do. We, we give them a show. Give them a show at the beginning of it. And um, it's, I'll be honest with you, the best ghost walk in the British Isles. Now, do they, do they bring their own, like, ghost-detecting equipment? Very seldom. No. I, in fact, no is the word. Uh, they bring cameras and obviously yeah. video. Stuff, but they're really on a ghost hunt. They're on a ghost walk, and it's a totally different animal to what they, when they turn up on, on Fridays and Saturday nights to do the night vigils, um, then they turn up with their equipment, uh, their cameras, their, you know, their, their EMF meters and whatever else. Uh, and of course, we provide them with, with the same stuff. But no, on the ghost walk, no, we are talking of a how can I put it? A commercial um, venture, right. venture um, 
uh, uh, story, stories, ghost stories, basically, all the way around, telling them the stories, taking them down into dark places and scaring the living daylights out of them at the same time. And it's, it's well, I'll tell you what, I mean, in 17 years of me doing it, I've taken over a million people on the ghost walk. And before you start having it up. Yeah. How many, mm. how many dead ones? I've never killed anybody <laughs> in 17 years. I tell you what, about three people faint um, when we're starting, we're telling the stories of hanging, drawing, and quartering. Uh, Catholic priests that were hanged, drawn, and quartered in Derby. Um, I'll be honest, ever did, ever, 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 and ever could do, was when I had the old heritage centre in, in, in Derby for 15 years, and, and it was an old Tudor grammar school, and uh, one of the schoolboys that, that actually went to the school right. had been a priest, Catholic priest, and he had been hanged, drawn, and quartered in Derby for high treason. And when I took the building over, I, I, I got the builders to dig a priest hole under the building. You, know, you understand what, what I'm talking about? Do you, do you understand what a priest hole is? Right, of? that's, that's where uh, uh, people who were uh, sympathetic to uh, the priests would, would hide the priests from the, uh, the, you got the it. Catholics, right? Yeah. I mean, from the uh, Protestants. It was high treason to be a Catholic priest in, in Queen Elizabeth's England, uh, Tudor times, because uh, the, the Pope had excommunicated Queen Elizabeth. Um, and so Catholic priests were, were very much uh, a no-go. A lot of people with Catholic tendencies fled the country, got ordained uh, in, in Rouen, in Reims, and, and, and in Rome, various places, uh, and then came back to this country clandestine, um, dressed as, as, as ordinary civilians, because they couldn't go around dressed as a Catholic priest, of course. Um, it's very similar, Ron, to, to the, the, um, the, the French um, in, in the Second World War, where they, they, you know, people came back over, um, spies, clandestine, dressed, dressed in ordinary clothes. Uh, all these priests came back over to England to preach the old faith, to keep it going. And, and so they, were, they actually snuck back in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, huh. dressed as civilians, of course, and then stately Catholic houses, who of course clung to the old faith. Uh, a lot of them up up in Northumberland, uh, up north, and Derbyshire as well, where where we are, and um, would would administer, would 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 go round to Catholic houses, uh, and and preach the old faith. But oh God, man! If they were caught, that was it. That was the, that was death. That was the death sentence for for treason. Um, and so they built priest holes in in the Catholic houses. Um, there's one fabulous haunted building in Worcestershire called Harvington Hall. It's got thirteen priest holes in it. Thirteen different priest holes. Yeah, thirteen. Um, uh, under the stairs, at the side of the chimneys, behind the oak panelling up in the attics, all over the place. And, of course, basically, if, if the, the soldiers, if Elizabeth's soldiers, the Protestants, found out, knew that there was a Catholic priest around, then they would, they would surround the house, uh, just again like the Nazis, looking, looking for resistance fighters, uh, and they would rip through the house, uh, trying to find hidey holes where, where the priests were hiding. 
Uh, and if they were caught, it was that was the end. And they found I, three three priests in Derbyshire hiding in a priest hole. They brought them to Derby, um, sent, tried them at the summer assizes, and sentenced the three of them to be hanged, drawn, and quartered for high treason. And they did it. They actually did the whole sentence, the whole works, hanged, drew, and quartered them. On, yeah, on yeah, a, a lot of people priest. don't know what that means. Uh, in fact, uh, okay. I, I know one of the couple of people in the uh, Parallax chat room uh, have asked, uh, you know, they didn't even know they executed priests, but uh, <laughs> execution would be, uh, I guess that would be humane compared to what was actually uh, done to them. You, you've got it. You, I mean, the, basically, uh, the whole idea was was sending them to hell. Back, back to my theories, as you know about it. Basically, the whole idea was that you, you were sentenced to be... Right, the sentence was that you and each of you be taken back from this courtroom to a place of execution where you will be severally hanged but taken down while you are still alive. In other words, you were hanged for about three minutes between heaven and earth. It was, all, it was ritualistic, symbolic. Laid on, laid on what was called a drawing, quartering, and beheading block. We have one here in Derby Jail. Um, it was like a, a door with legs, with a cog at one end, like a raised part for the beheading. Right? Now, this is a family show, but basically, after, after being hanged for three minutes, your privy parts cut off and burnt before your eyes, your bowels and entrails to be taken out and also burnt. A good executioner could get a Catholic priest disemboweled while they were still alive and conscious. Ouch! That's 37 feet of small intestine, drawn out, removed, and burnt on a brazier at the, at, beside you, before your eyes. Your head to be severed from your body, and your body to be divided into four equal quarters. And those quarters to be at the disposal of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. And basically what they would do is just take their quarters to different parts of the county so that they never came back together again. And of course, the old belief was that if the body wasn't whole, the spirit wasn't whole, and on the day of judgment, when the, when the, the last trumpet was blown, if their body wasn't whole, their spirit wasn't whole, and they'd be condemned to go to hell for eternity. And this is what we were doing to these poor, poor unfortunate priests who... who who believed obviously in totally in, in in their faith, and we 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 did this to hundreds of Roman Catholic priests and their supporters all over all over England. Um, okay, let, let me say something in fairness too. Now, when the Catholics were in control of England too, that they persecuted the Protestant uh, vicars and so forth as well. They did, they did indeed, um, and this was mainly done by. Uh, Queen Mary, uh, Bloody Mary. Not Mary, Mary, Bloody Mary. Yeah, that's right. Who was, of course, a Catholic, um, and she had Protestants burnt. None of them heretics, and she was obviously a, a, a good Catholic girl. And if you were a Protestant, then you were nothing more than a heretic. And and the heresy laws in this country meant that you would be burnt at the stake. And she had hundreds of Protestant um, priests burnt at the stake. Times were terrible. Right. I mean, you've got to think that Henry VIII took over as the Pope. 
he took over the, the, the Catholic Church and, right. and became the head of the church and we became Protestant. His son took over for a very short period, Edward, for three or four years, and we stayed Protestant. Then, all of a sudden, Mary came on the throne and she said, right, everybody, people, uh, you know, what are we? Are we Catholics? Are we Protestants? So, they, so she took over and we all became Protestant. And those that wouldn't become, sorry, Catholic, those that wouldn't become Catholics were burned at the stake. Right. Then she died after only four years, and Elizabeth came. We're all going to be Protestants again. Yep, change back. Change again. Do you understand, this is why there are so many religious ghosts around in this country. Because they, they couldn't renounce their faith. They couldn't go against what they believed in all their life. It's very similar to, um, in this country, um, two football teams, Derby County and, and, and Nottingham Forest. You, you would never, ever get a, a Derby County supporter wearing a red and white shirt that was, was a Nottingham Forest right. team. And it's the we same. Have, we actually, have a, a, we actually have a question from the Parrox chat room, and, and uh, Karen wants to know, uh, which is, uh, what is a heretic? And that's basically a heretic. A heretic, a heretic is someone who. Is, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, Richard. A heretic was someone who actually deviated away from the from the religion in charge. The religion right? at the time. Yeah. Yeah. It was a heresy, um, and it was punishable after the 14th century by burning to death, which, of course, again meant that the body. The body wasn't whole, you see, on, on and, and so we had no no closure, no um, what's the word I'm looking for? No laid to rest. You know, your body wasn't whole. You were burnt, burnt, burnt to death. And what a dreadful, dreadful death that must have been, um, and was done to Knights Templars, of course, uh, who were also con considered to be heretics. So yeah, it was going against the the orthodox. Was that the right word? Uh, religion at the time. Right. Basically, uh, whatever one's in power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was that in, in Elizabeth's times, being against the, the faith was considered to be treason, which was... But when Mary came to the throne, because she was much more of a, a religious person... It was considered to be heresy and punishable by burn, burning at the stake, both men and women. And many, many, you know, religious people were were burnt to death here in England. Um, and I'm, it's funny enough because we're in the jail and, and Chris, is, is, who's with us at the moment, just passed me a, um, a note. Actually, I didn't realize that Bloody Mary is where the nursery rhyme came from. Mary, Mary, quite contrary. How does your garden grow? Yeah, with silver bells and cockle shells, and yeah, was um, was to do with Bloody Mary, because most of these 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 nursery rhymes, including of course um, Ring a Ring of Roses, was to do with the the Black Death. Right. These yeah, you know, used used as children were had horrible connotations. Would you believe? Huh. Yeah, you know, you know, it's funny, Richard. Is people you know think all oh, this is very very atrocious and. And uh, it's horrifying the, the, all the punishments that, that occurred. But you got to realize back in that time also that life was very, very cheap. Correct. Yeah. I mean, life meant almost nothing. Um, most people were were dead by 
by the age of 40, um, they, they, most of them had seen quite a few of their children die before them or, or lost children in childbirth. You know, I mean, 13, 14 children was, was nothing. And, and many of them died, um, predeceased their parents. Uh, most people had, had watched, witnessed public executions. And many people, had, of course, had been in battle. So uh -huh. death was not the problem. It was the afterlife. That was right. the fear. It was the fear of, of, of what was going to come next. What was going to be, how was, go how was eternity going to be? Were you going to be in heaven, um, you know, with the angels, harps and, and everything beautiful? Or were you going to burn in hell at 10,000 degrees centigrade with ripping of flesh and gnashing of teeth? And, and I think it was, and correct me if I'm wrong, you may know this wrong, but I think after 10,000 years, the monotony was broken because you were taken out of the, the 10,000 degrees centigrade and plunged into ice cold, ice cold water for, for 10. This was to relieve the boredom, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, great shrinkage there, you know what I mean? Yeah, but it was quite, quite <laughs> but you, you know what, Richard, you know what's funny? I, I have to ask you this. It's not funny, I mean, but all was, I mean, there were quite quite a few people that were were uh, killed in this way and they, and they were killed a lot at the same spot or otherwise there were places that people went for execution right yeah are these places tend to be more haunted than for instance houses or or is it are they not haunted at all i think they are because i think the you see think this is great I'm, I'm, this is a totally impromptu by the way i hadn't even thought about talking about this but I'm, it's, it's really good um there, i mean obviously there were lots of ways of executing people uh, burning um was was one of them uh, in in europe of course there was terrible things like tearing people apart with with, with horses um breaking people on 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 the wheel in in germany um, oh my God! You know, I mean, a thousand cuts in 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 China and that sort of stuff. Um, hanging it over here in England and beheading, and hanging, drawing, and quartering. But what you've got to remember is that we're not talking of professional executioners. This didn't come till the 19th century. Um, so what I'm saying is that anybody that was in the condemned cell of a jail, be it Derby Jail. Or Salem, or or or, or Boston, or, or or anywhere you like. These guys were given the opportunity to save their lives if they would execute someone. So we're talking of many, many bungled executions. In other words, I'm not. You know, there was no such thing as the Lord High Executioner. As so there was the, no there professional. Was was, no. There was no professional ones? Is that what you're trying to tell me? That's exactly what I'm saying. The, 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 yes, there the might have been, possibly in London, um, there might have been the occasional professional guy. But on the whole, we're talking of, of people that were brought out of the condemned cell, given an axe or a rope or some kindling and a, a, a few matches. Oh, my God, think about it. And said, right, go kill someone. Go and execute this person. Now, you've so got to So are you saying they only killed, like, one person, or...? Sometimes. Sometimes. Or, or yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what. There's, there's, there's something here on the walls here at Derby Jail. A guy called Charles Pleasance. He was a forger. That's all he was. Nothing more than that. And, it, of course, forgery was, was punishable by death in this country. And he, he had a talk about a, a terrible, tormented time. Because, number one... 
um, the, the people of Derby got a petition to save him. He was a very popular guy. And this petition was sent to the king. And Charles' you mother... You that guy, Richie? We have to take a break right now. Yes, of course you I will. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Richard Felix and Ron Kolick. We'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give the awards to the Parrax family. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station? Yes, why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear these latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. We are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Richard Felix and Ron Kowick. Um... Kochi Net, Pararex, Ghost Channel and Beyond. If anybody wants to call in, the number is 877-864-4869. That's 877-864-4869. And join us live in the Toji Net or the Pararex chat room. So, uh, anyways, Richard, so, I mean, there seems to be a lot of talk right now of, of maybe the executions, and I noticed in the Pararex chat room, there's a lot of talk about executions haunting these areas. Uh, what, what do you think about that rather than the victims? Well, executioners, oh, there, yeah, there are ghosts of executioners, and, and there are also ghosts of those that were executed, because basically, uh, as I was saying, uh, the executions usually didn't go to plan. In other words, we didn't kill people quickly and easily. Um, Mary, Queen of Scots, for instance, the Catholic again, it took the executioner three blows to take her head off. She was still alive after the second blow. Um, the du- yeah, the Duke of Monmouth, he was a Protestant, and he was beheaded after trying to throw King James II off the throne. It took the executioner five blows to kill him. Really? Now, we're talking, we're talking trauma. We're talking real trauma that I believe causes causes hauntings. Um, I, I was just about to tell you about this guy, um, Charles Pleasance, who, who actually had to choose one of the inmates of the prison here to be his executioner. It actually says so here on, his, on, on this document that we've got uh, called the Penny Dreadful. Um, it actually says, and the executioner was a fellow prisoner to whom he paid a handsome present. 
He actually had to pay one of the inmates of this prison to hang him. Really? And we've got the most, yeah, oh yeah, we've got an amazing story of, of a guy in the 1670s called um, Crossland, um, Richard John, John Crossland. He was brought before the, 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 the judges here at Derby with his father and his elder brother. They were brought for horse stealing, which, of course, was a capital offence, hanging offence. The judge brought the three of them up before in the dock and offered all three of them, if one would hang the other two, that he would get off with his life. Hmm. But father declined, obviously, you know, saying I couldn't possibly right. kill those that I'd brought into this world. Elder brother, again, being, you know, that sort of guy refused. Younger boy John accepted. He hanged his brother and he hanged his father for horse stealing in 1675. Did the job so well that they made him hangman for Derbyshire, Leicestershire and Lincolnshire. And he died in old age, um, known as the bogeyman. He was the most unbelievable. He hanged his father and his brother and saved his own life. But, I mean, I mean, if I was, you know, if my, I'd want my brother to do that to save his life. I mean, I would give up my life for him. I mean, oh, so me too. But I certainly wouldn't kill, I wouldn't want, I couldn't do it. I'd have to say, sorry, no way. I, I couldn't kill my father and my brother. Even, even if it was to save my own life. Even if they wanted me to. Really? But, he did. Oh, I don't think. No, come on. Would, no. I mean, life's very precious. I, I, I accept that. And I believe that my life is extremely precious. But you, you got the whole thing of the family name and everything else, too, as well. Yeah, but no, I couldn't do that. I, I, oh. I uh, no, no, I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Couldn't kill my brother. Couldn't hang him. I certainly but, wouldn't want to. Well, maybe sometimes <laughs> I do, but... Uh, uh, yeah, but know, even if they said, go on, lad, yeah, go on, you do it. Right, exactly, that's what I would say. I mean, that's what I would say, and and, uh, and I would want him to do that, to be honest with you. Yeah, but I wouldn't do it. I, yeah. I would I, I would say the same. I agree with you. I would say to my to my younger brother or to my son, yeah, go on, I've got, you you hang me. Save your life. Well, well, look at this way, Richard. Now, say it was you you and your, your two sons. I mean, wouldn't yeah. you want one of them to live? Yeah, but would I would I want William to hang Edward and and me? I, I would say me. Yeah, get on with it. And then I'd say Edward's had thirty years. William's only had twenty three. Yeah. And I would say yeah, go on. But if I was the youngest, if I was William at twenty three, I certainly wouldn't. No matter what, I wouldn't do it. Even if my dad and my elder brother said yes, go on, do it. I wouldn't. I don't know. I don't think until we walk in those shoes that we really could say oh, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's so many things it. you could say. I mean, you, you you know, you know, think of your mother and your sister. Someone's got to take care of them. Ba ba ba. You know, I mean, there are so yeah. many things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know where you're coming from. You know, so I, I, until we walk in those footsteps. Thing, I mean, I would never ever fault uh, my son uh, for doing that. I mean, especially. Uh, I mean, like I said, I would have come. I don't know how we get on this topic. That's pretty bad. <laughs> It's a good one. I like it. It's good. I, I agree with you. But it, it's down to the individual, isn't it? Really yeah, I, I think so. Until we walk in those shoes, and, and that's a lot. I mean, in general, we're so quick to judge. I mean, and that's that's kind of 
a bad thing about the paranormal too, because a lot of paranormal groups and everything else judge so many so quickly. And uh, until we walk into other people's shoes, we really shouldn't do that. I, I really no, don't no, believe I, it. We shouldn't. No. Right? No, no, that's that is is so true. But uh, to be honest with you, um, you know, when you think of of um, the, the terrors of the past, right? Uh, um, that were done judicially, that were done in the name of the law. Um, God, you know, they, they've got a lot to answer for, Rob. Yeah, it's true. It's as, true. As in Salem. Right. I mean, but you know what? We, 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 we talk about Salem being the, like the witch capital of the world. I mean, but the honestly, we only killed 13 witches. I mean, I mean, only, it sounds terrible, but compared to like Europe and, and uh, oh. UK, I mean, it, it's like nothing. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I mean, Germany. Um, they they executed, I believe, thousands of of, of witches. Um, a lot were executed in France. Um, we 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 got through quite a few uh, in England. There's no getting away from it. But uh, nothing like like I think nothing like the Germans did. And and of course in uh, in Toulouse, in France, they they burnt hundreds uh, in 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 the town centre. In, in Toulouse, and I, I am told that Toulouse, uh, told by Kieran O'Keefe, by the way, that, that Toulouse is... Who's is, coming over uh, here in uh, the end of August? He is indeed, yes yeah. indeed. Um, quite a lot of ghost stories from Toulouse. About really? witches. Oh yeah, apparently so, yeah. So I think I might just go over there and start up the Toulouse ghost walk. Well, I mean, if you're going to go to a ghost walk, I would do Prague, because I know a lot of things about Prague, and it's uh, I, I know hard. nothing. I've never been, but I know for a fact that they do do a ghost walk, don't they? They do. Mm. I, that Which I is did not know. Well, maybe we'll have somebody for the Prague Ghost Walk line because that would be interesting. And my new book that's coming out in September, Ghost Today, I, I know that I have several stories from Prague and they're, they're really interesting. And uh, I, I think that might be a good idea. I will try to get Wrong. someone from the that Prague would Ghost Walk. really be something. Yeah. Um, I presume all we want to do www.praghghostwalk.com? <laughs> Who knows, huh? Seems like That's a really good idea. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still working on, on a demonologist, by the way. Right. Uh, I haven't got very far yet. Um, yeah. I can't find a contact uh, number for, for Fred Bart. Well, let, me, let me see what I can do on my end, because I still do have some connections over there. You know what's interesting? I was thinking of having perhaps a demonologist like Fred on the, the show, and also a demonologist from the U.S., and see how they differ and, and what their thoughts are on the same subject. I thought it would be interesting. That, that would be extreme. Would, would you be thinking of like having them on the same, the same night? At the same time. Yeah. So we yeah, actually no, have I a think little bit of a debate, be, because uh, I am sure, I am absolutely sure that um, the, the demonologists from the UK and the demonologists from the US would differ in their thoughts and beliefs. I would bet 100 shillings from that. 100 shillings, that's quite, I'm sure they would, I agree with you, because you know, we do, we do differ um, on quite a few things um, as regards to the paranormal. Uh, between England and the U.S., um, and I would imagine the same thing applies with with with, with demonologists. Um, I'm just being handed another note here. Ian Lawman, 
apparently Ian, o Ian Lorman is a bit of a demonologist. A bit, huh? <laughs> well, I didn't know, you see, and uh, Ellen has just passed me a note here saying that Ian Lorman's um, a demon. I know he's an exorcist. That's right. Uh, That's right. But so I don't know. Little, I'll, I'll ring him. a little bit of a chat. I remember about that before, about exorcisms. How can you be an exorcist if you don't believe in religion? I, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yes, I agree with you. I, I do agree. Um, I'll ring him and see what I can find out. But, uh, of course, there may be somebody out there listening who is a demonologist, who... Right either from England or, or, or from, from, from America or anywhere else, for that matter, someone's listening. If you are and you're a demonologist and you'd like to come on the show, um, then get in touch with us because we would love to know more about what you're Right. What, drop drop what, me a please. note at any, that's any like New England, ghost project at Comcast.net. That's any ghost project at Comcast.net. And we would love to hear from you. That would be really, really quite something, actually. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I've, I've just obviously Chris and Alan are here again because we've, we've yeah, just now Alan is your your uh, your uh, medium, right? Yeah. Yes, indeed. And I was just um, talking to to Eleanor, and, and I'll, I'll bring her on in a second because she okay. is so against demons. She just doesn't believe in it. She's she's so much like me. But I mean, surely, Ron, there must be somebody listening in who who is into demonology. Well, there must be a lot of people in in out there that are into demonology. I mean, well, I mean, you. What what what's your honest opinion? What what do you, Jenny? I mean, remembering, of course, I know that you are a good Catholic boy. Mm -hmm. And, and, and what, so, my opinion, my opinion of what demonology? Yeah, or? Demons. Do you, well, oh, sorry, one and the same, isn't it? And is it no, the it same? Isn't. No, demons. absolutely not. I mean, I do believe in in demons. I've, I've ran into negative energy before. Uh, you know, I've run into the same negative energy before. And, of course, you know that I've also accompanied uh, a priest on uh, exorcisms for the Catholic Church. So indeed, I, indeed, I, I've yes. seen firsthand some of the, the nasty stuff that's out there. But uh, my my thing is about, my uh, beef, I guess, is is about the demonologists. It seems like everybody has a demonologist after their name. And I want to know how they get these demonologists. Titles. I mean, I mean, I'm told. What do you have to be, do to become a demonologist? That's what I want to know. Yeah, but isn't it? Is it more of a? Hang on. I mean, Eleanor's here now. Come on. Come on, Eleanor. Demons are actually in people's heads. A negative energy doesn't have to be a demon. It can be a negative person. I agree. I've met I agree. Several negative people, and they're not demons. They're just evil people. I, I agree with you. How you been, love? Pardon? How have you been? I'm fine, thank you. She's a lot better. She has been poorly, but she's 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 blossoming at the moment. I'm working her to death, Ron. I don't doubt that, Richard. I don't doubt it. But I mean, I, so I, I know Eleanor that what you are saying that yeah, every negative energy out there is not a demon, and I agree 100 percent with you with that. But uh, maybe you don't believe in demons, but I, I I do definitely. So I mean, that's where we differ. But I. Uh, you know, I, that's what I believe in. But wouldn't the world be boring if we all believed in the same? Well, the Chinese would have it that way anyways. <laughs> <laughs> demons are, a lot of demons are man-made. They're created by the church. They're created by people themselves in their head. You get these people who go on spree killing. They've got demons in their head, but they're created by themselves. 
Not necessarily. They're not evil beings. They, not necessarily. Now, if you believe in a, uh, uh, well, I mean, it's, it's extremely difficult to believe in uh, uh, evil if you don't believe in good. I mean, if you believe in good, then, then there is evil. I mean, it's the opposite of it. You can't have one without the other. Uh, it's the whole yin and yang thing of the universe. Uh, so why isn't there a negative energy that affects uh, people that uh, call it what you want, but we call it demons? But you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, I know what you're saying. And there are people, well, my husband's father would uh, have us believe that we deal with demons because we go ghost something. <laughs> ghost of demons. Right. I mean, everybody has their own definitions of demons, and and there are certain, uh, you know, like the old thing, demon alcohol. Uh, is alcohol a demon? In a, in a sense, it is, because it does affect the the normal person. In other words, they're not their normal way. They're, they're affected by this negative uh, alcohol. Well, if you look to the uh, etchings that uh, go with witchcraft, they're almost depicted with demons around them. Right. And, and who so, was that? Uh, who am I speaking with now? Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, sorry, Ron, it's Chris. Oh, so, hi, theoretically, some would say that demons are associated with witchcraft. Right, and, and there are some that believe that. I mean, it's... So I, I, maybe it's something that we define our own uh, demons according to what we believe in. But just because we don't agree on what they are doesn't mean that they don't exist. They'll exist in, um, in people's beliefs. Yeah, in people's different beliefs. Right. Mm. Now, for instance, there are different gods according to different people. Does that mean there's no god if I'm Catholic and... And, uh, for instance, somebody believes in, uh, 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 what's that, the guy there, Mo Allah, Mo whatever. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, it's, it's, they're both, according to whoever believes in them, they're God. So do they not exist? They do exist in, in, the, in the person's beliefs. But the demons isn't what you put, what they're depicted as is a clone who beats beast with horns, half man, half devil. Mm. That it is can, not the. It can be if we believe in that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's mythology. Yeah. You're absolutely right. In other words, what you're saying is is is, is what we believe in. And, and exactly. Who, who are we? Who am I? Or who is anybody else to say that? Yeah. You know, who am I to say that your belief, Ron, isn't correct? Um. And that the, a, a Protestant person's belief is, is correct, and yours. But but you see, I, I'm I'm fast going away from all of this. Um, oh, I'll be careful how I say um, old-fashioned beliefs, uh, and I'm I'm going back very much to the to the old ways of. of I'm afraid of paganism, where 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 I believe that we 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 are at one with Mother Earth, and and that we actually go back to Mother Earth, and Mother Earth is part of a much bigger picture, which is out there, which is the universe and beyond the universe. Um, oh, you know, I mean, of, course, of course I don't understand it. None of us understand what it's all about. But I, I, you see, Captain Cook, when he sailed to wherever, Tahiti, <laughs> was it Tahiti? Yeah. I mean, he, he was a god to the Tahitians. 
Correct. He came to this huge wooden structure with billowing sort of sails that they'd never seen before. And and he he had he had a things like a bang stick that when he pulled the trigger and it went bang, the natives fell down dead. And he was a god. Because because they didn't understand and oh we're we to be honest with you, we my opinion is of the whole damn thing is we're still living in the Stone Age. We really don't understand what is going on um, within within this world, within our own minds, and of course beyond beyond our own solar system. And, and what on earth is it all about? We're, we're we're actually very primitive people. We still I, I believe in, in in monsters and demons and ghosts and devils and witches and and yet we're in the twenty first century. We we're almost getting around to curing cancer, um, yep. and yet we're still we're still in the Stone Age, certainly as regards the human brain and and paranormal investigation. You know, there was a very very interesting show on the on uh, I believe it might have been Discovery or History Channel, one or the other, and it was all about uh, man's fear of darkness. Right, and and, and it, it's really interesting because. It showed the reasons why we fear the dark, which was really, really interesting. For instance, uh, the nomads in uh, uh, the, the deserts off of Egypt and in Israel, uh, uh, at nighttime, they, they put their tents together because the hyenas would actually attack them at night and drag them off to, to feast, to eat them. And so, I mean, there was a real, real danger of the darkness. You know, this didn't happen in the daytime. This happened at night. The shakers, the shakers would always lock their doors at night and everything else and board up because uh, a shaker house, for instance, is six times uh, more apt to be broken into than a non-shaker house because they don't have any technology or anything. They don't have any, you know, uh, telephones or any of that stuff. So they're really picking. So there's something to fear in the darkness there. And, and, and there there, it goes right through the, the whole history. There are so many things that, yeah, we fear the darkness, but we fear it for a reason. We do. And the reason is, and this is something that I use frequently when talking to people, it's, it's back to primeval fear. It's going back thousands of years where we, we, none of us would ever go and venture into the dark, dark woods at night. And the right. reason being, the reason being, was that we feared what may have been hiding behind one of the big trees, a saber-toothed tiger, or or some predator. So so we we never went out at night. Oh, Mel Brooks. But, yeah, yeah. But there oh, was no, always was, one. Was that guy? Uh, I, yeah, I yeah, yeah. There was always one. Um, I'll be careful. I say idiot. I should say who had got an extra dose of testosterone, right? And he was frightened of nothing, and so he unlike the others, would go hunting at night. He'd wander out into the dark woods at night without any fear at all. Guess what happened to him? He got eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. <laughs> so, and so the only, not the only gene, the gene that has passed down all these thousands of years is that fear gene that keeps us alive. That gene that we still have within us that tells us not to go into dark places at night. Don't stand by a doorway if there's a dark hallway behind you because something might get you. 
And it's still with us, Ron. It's still there. So in other words, the guy you know, with, the, with the extra testosterone, the, 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 the bravado gene, that's died out. But the gene that keeps us alive is still there with us to this day. And it's, it's very much to do with the dark. Don't go into dark places at night alone, just in case something will get you. And basically, we converted it from some saber-toothed tigers to ghosts. So when we were in uh, Gettysburg, we went off into ruins, we were just uh, fodder for uh, the darkness. Ron, you know how frightened I was. <laughs> you know I was absolutely brilliant, dressed as a Union soldier, Walking up, walking up to um, the, the, the battlefield, you and me alone, um, <laughs> and it was back to the same thing. There were all those cicadas in the woods. There was the rain. Uh, it was dark. I was on a battlefield. It's known known to be haunted. It got all of the stuff there that that, that terrified me, but I did it, didn't I? That's right. And they got me. That was good. That was good. I yeah, that. I mean, that, that, that sometimes we have to face our fears, and, and I think that's part of what we do uh, in ghost hunting, is that we are facing the fears. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean, you see, this week, all this week, I've got school children, dozens and dozens, about 180, something like that, over the days, school children, uh, on ghost walks. And, and when I start with my talk, one of the first things I tell them is, by the way, guys, I'm frightened of ghosts. And they all look at me, because they're all 12, 13-year-olds, and they can't believe what I'm saying. And I said, genuinely, I am frightened of ghosts. And you probably notice, if you watch Most Haunted, the very infrequent times that you'd ever see me, Richard Felix, go off alone into a room or a haunted building, because I am genuinely frightened. And then, of course, the big thing they all say is before we go, so why are you doing this? Why are you a ghost hunter? Why do you do ghost walks? Why do you go into haunted? Right. I have to say to them, I, do, I don't know. I really can't tell you why. Or am I trying to lay my fears to rest? Is it, is it something in me that, that's forcing me to do it? Because the first thing I say to them, by the way, guys, the profession of a ghost isn't to scare you, you know? So why am I scared? I wish somebody could tell me. I wish somebody could help me. Perhaps I need to see a shrink. Yeah, it's it, it's all strange stuff. I mean, I I don't, you know, I really don't understand it a lot of times. But you know, it's just something that you have to do, and, and the more you do it, you uh, the more you want to do it. I think. That's right. That's right. I mean, tell me honestly, are, are you have you been frightened when you've been out there? Ghost hunting. Hmm. Never when ghost hunting, no. I just never have. Uh, have I been frightened in my life, of course, uh, especially when I was younger. But now that I'm older, I don't give a crap anymore. <laughs> so there's really, genuinely joking about if I said to you, right, I want you to go into this castle, blah, blah, blah. There's nobody in the building. Here's the key. It's as haunted as hell. Uh, the last ghost sighting was, was, was last night. Um, off you go, the building's yours, there's nobody in here at all but you. Would it bother you? That would psych me up, actually. I think that would be pump me right up. <laughs> would it? 
Well, that's just the way I said it. Because <laughs> I have this ability, you know, to tell ghost stories. I, I seem to have a, a reasonably good voice for telling ghost stories. But, oh, so you're, right. you're, you're most excellent, uh, as we like to say. <laughs> Would it bother you? Perhaps, I, supposing I wasn't there, supposing someone else said, right, Ron, here's the key, the building's haunted, there's ghosts in there, off you go, unlock the door. Would it bother you? Not really. I mean, I'd be, like, excited. I mean, I could, I'd feel yeah. the adrenaline pumping through me, and, uh, you know, I, I would really be excited, to be honest with you. Really? So supposing the ghost of Sir Henry suddenly came down, the, you're going up the stairs, and all of a sudden, at the top of the stairs, there's a guy with a pair of pantaloons on uh, and a sword belt across his head, and his head underneath his arms, uh, uh, and he starts coming down the stairs towards you. I would. I wouldn't know until I actually face that. I mean, I face each thing as, as I do each day. To be honest with you, I can. I can say, oh, sure. Uh, you know, it's not going to happen. But until you really face it, uh, you really don't know. You know. I mean, I, I work with Maureen, and I don't know if you've ever seen her trans channel, Richard. I think you have. Yes, I have. Of course, I did. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's pretty oh. scaring in itself. But if I can handle that, I think I pretty much handle anything. So. Uh, yeah. That being said, I would never ever know until I actually face that uh, right. by myself, alone. Have you never faced a ghost? Have you never faced a ghost? Have I ever faced a ghost? Yes, I've chased the ghost. Really? Yes. Oh, come on. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Tell me. There, there's been a lot of cool incidents. I mean, one of the, the neatest ones, I mean... Uh, one you could actually visualize, I chased uh, a green green orbs or whatever they're going to call it, green lights uh, with my EMF meter going off at the same time and followed them through passageways until they uh, yeah. dis disappeared. And then uh, there are another times where I chased um, twins, little little children, uh, and uh, in a game of hide-and-seek around the room. And... Uh, Eventually, we discovered, in fact, that's in our book, Ghost Chronicles. We, eventually, we found out that uh, they were in, their graves were in a cemetery in the woods, and we went at midnight, we went tromping through the woods to find this lost cemetery, and we did. I was saying, now that was, I mean, were they, were they actual physical manifestations that you saw in, in the building? Or? The children were, were mere, uh, they were um, EMF readings, uh, that what? I actually chased, and of course Maureen could see them, and I actually yes, of course, yeah, actually actually could you know felt myself that they were there. But um, with the through the communication, we found that they were children. But the cool part about it was, yeah, okay, you could say, well, you didn't see him, yada yada. But we went tromping through the woods uh, on property, and then we did find their graves. So I mean, you can say That's... what you want, and we and we picked up their names, by the way, before we went. To the graves, and sure enough, those are the, the name of the children that were buried there. That's that's all. Have you got it on film? If I got it on film, yeah, I have some of it on film, some of it that's, not. That's impressive. Yeah, that's good. Cool. You know, you know, it's funny. This house, it, it, when they moved in, they found uh, coins on the uh, windowsills. Oh my God, we're out of time, Richard. Oh, come on. This is all right. Time to wrap it up. Good night. God bless everyone. See you next week, guys. Bye bye. From ghoulies to ghosties, long leggedy beasties, and things that go bump.
in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.